Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School. Here, you'll get fresh insight from the people at the very top of the tech companies who make the products we love. Remember, you can learn product management live online. Visit productschool.com to discover our new certificate path. There, you can also join the world's largest community of PMs and network with the leaders from these podcasts at our online events. There's something happening almost every day. So without any further ado, I'd love to introduce to our special guest for today, Mateen Movasat. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me, Carlos. I look forward to chatting with you about all things product and analytics. So um, just to get things started, why don't you tell us a little more about yourself and, and, and how you got into all of this? Yeah, I, I've been doing product stuff for about 10 years now. Uh, before doing product stuff, I was an engineer for a while. And after doing engineering work, I wanted to try something a little bit different. And I felt like product management was a good intersection of still in technology. It's a different type of thing. And I didn't need to wear a suit to interview for those roles. Um, and, and so my first uh, full-time and actually my only full-time product management job was at Facebook, where I was deeply excited about this idea of using data and truth to drive product decision-making, which is actually a pretty new thing if you think about it. The products largely did not exist online in a digital form in a way that was measurable until fairly recently. And, and I thought that was really interesting from the perspective of making product decisions and figuring out where to drive impact. And then I saw Facebook is very much the paragon of that ideal. And then it turns out in practice, analytics is not quite that simple. And that led me and my co-founder to start Heap and try to make product analytics less of a mess. I remember uh, when uh, me, myself as a software engineer, product manager, trying to figure out analytics, it was hell. Like there wasn't really any friendly solution. So we had to dig into the data, understand CQL and a bunch of other complicated things. And, and you know, these days it's, it's a thing of the past. Like you can really be very dangerous. Just, you know, focusing more on the business side and, and taking advantage of, of tools like, like Heap. Absolutely. <laughs> so you will always say that as a product person, we have to fall in love with the problem and not with the solution. So I want to dig a little bit deeper into that with you. I guess that analytics was always a big thing for you, but what was that aha moment where you were like, okay, I had enough, this doesn't work for me. I need to build my own product. Yeah, um, so when I, when I was at Facebook, I was able to take advantage of their very sophisticated analytics infrastructure to ask questions about the product, understand whether we were building the right things, whether we were moving the needle on the business. But what I found was that it was surprisingly difficult to actually make use of that fancy analytics infrastructure as a mere PM. And every time I would have a question, even a question as basic as who are the people that are using this feature or how does this feature impact retention? Answering a question like that required me to go bother a developer to write tracking code for me. I don't know if there are any developers in the audience, but I can tell you they don't particularly enjoy writing analytics tracking code. That's not why they got into the job. I have to wait for that engineer to, to get around to writing that code. I need to wait for that tracking code to go through a release cycle. I need to wait for data to come in. Once the data's in, I need to loop in an analyst and a data scientist and blah, 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 blah. So long story short, by the time I would get the answer to my question, literally months would go by and I needed to loop in three different people. And the realization we had is that there's no way we can evolve the practice of product management if it's this difficult to get to product insight. 
And so we started Heap with this idea of trying to automate as much of those annoying parts as possible and bring product insights to more people more effortlessly. So yes, give me an idea of uh, the scale of your business today. Yeah, at this point, we have over 10,000 customers across a wide variety of verticals from startups to Fortune 100 companies. And they're largely using Heap to be able to answer questions around things like, what are the features my customers are engaging with? Or what are the drivers that get them to be retained? What are the things that get them to be activated or converted? We try to give superpowers to product managers to be, to enable them to answer those questions in a self-sufficient way without getting bottlenecked on engineering. And then it also allows engineers to focus on what they really want to do, which is build real value for customers, not manage a bunch of analytics code and instrumentation. Well, one of the things I love the most about the, 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 the product analytics space and how it's evolving is that it's not just an engineering thing. Like it's, it's a company-wide uh, opportunity. And uh, having the ability to ask questions, uh, simple questions, uh, not just by a super technical person, it, it, it democratizes access to data and uh, access to the truth at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah, we've always, we've been surprised with just how many people use product analytics within our customer bases. It's largely PMs, but it's not just PMs. It's anyone who needs to understand customer behavior to drive their decisions, which turns out is a big chunk of folks for marketing, the sales, customer success, design, support. Uh, it, it's really cool to see. So I want to discuss also a key point, which is uh, building a product within a company, especially at the very beginning, your company is pretty much your product. Obviously, as the company evolves, there's much more that goes into that. So as a product person, as a software engineer that became a product person and then a CEO, I want to know a little bit more about what are some of those overlapping skills? What do you think are, why do you think there are so many product managers these days that are considering to become CEOs and build their own products? Yeah, I'll, I'll, um, I'll answer your question by actually describing some of the differences, because I, I, think, I think that's important. I've always hated the designation that PM is the CEO of the product. Um, and and what, I, what I learned after being a PM was that I actually I had to unlearn a lot of my, my skills as a PM within a big company when becoming a founder, when becoming a CEO. And it's actually quite astonishing the level of difference between those two roles. Um, within a big company, let, let's say you have over 200, 300 people, a lot more of the bottleneck to success, to customer value, to building a good product, the bigger bottleneck is internal alignment, not necessarily finding market demand. Uh, whereas within a small company, it's all about figuring out that market demand and figuring out that product market fit. And nobody cares about your ability to, to outline a bold vision internally. You need to be really good at understanding customer pain. So I would say the the PM role is very different between a small company and a big company. And I would say the CEO role also varies a lot. When you're at a small stage, it is closer to a product management role. But as you scale, it's a completely different, becomes a completely different job. And one, two of the key differences is, is one, that PMs don't have to think about resourcing, uh, whereas that is the primary job that a CEO has building an executive team, hiring, ensuring a strong culture, uh, ensuring alignment of mission and values. That's, that's different than, than shepherding product market fit. And I think one uh, key difference is that PMs don't have 
authority, whereas CEOs do. And I think that's an important distinction because sometimes a CEO does need to push a decision through swiftly in a way that a PM can't. Um, but I'll actually, I'll, I'll go back to your question. Sorry for, for not answering it directly, but I do think one big similarity is the leadership qualities of a good PM, I think are shared with the just good leadership qualities of a CEO or really any leader within a company. And that leadership quality is aligning people on shared truth. Um, ideally, as a leader, you're not getting people to do things because you told them to do so. You're trying to lay out the problem, the opportunity, give people the context so that they can be empowered to make decisions themselves. That's exactly the mandate of a PM. I completely resonate with that because I, I come from a similar background, software engineer, turned PM, turned CEO, um, and I, you know, I was smiling as you were giving this answer because I can't agree more. Um, another thing that I, I've seen evolving a lot, it's, it's term product analytics. Um, I want to understand in your, in your opinion, how, what are some of these biggest misconceptions with, with product analytics these days? Yeah, I would say the biggest misconception is that analytics is about insights and reporting. Whereas what we've observed with our customers and the, the broader market is that the hardest part of analytics is the data piece. Not, not necessarily the analytics that they're reporting, but the actual mundane tasks of collecting the data, organizing the data, making sure it's trustworthy and making sure it's discoverable for everybody within your organization. Those are the things that actually we've observed keep people from being able to get valuable product insights. It's a big shame because I think in analytics in particular, it's very easy to see demos that pitch you on fancy visualizations, AI-driven insights, all of these really exciting things that you think you can put into practice, show your boss, show your engineers to make yourself look good as a PM. But in practice, what you're going to end up wasting your time doing is figuring out, well, why do I have two events both named sign up? What's the difference between them? or I'm trying to understand this onboarding flow. Why didn't we track three of the events within this onboarding flow? And th this is where a lot of people get stuck with product analytics. And that's one of the things I always encourage people to keep in mind is to make sure you have a solid strategy around the data piece because nothing else matters if you don't. Another thing that um, I'm very passionate about is, is learning. Uh, I think that we all need to continue learning no matter what we started back in the day when we were in college. And uh, especially as a, as a founder and CEO, you, your company has experienced serious hyper growth. So how have you been able to keep up with that growth as a leader? How have you been able to personally learn and grow so you can continue empowering others to do the same? Yeah, I think, I, I, I think about this a lot. Um, and I, I don't know that I've cracked the code or anything, but I do know, that fundamentally no individual can grow as quickly as an aggregate team of people, especially as that team gets bigger. And that delta between what you can do as an individual and what the organization can do only increases as, as that company scales. And so really when I, when I think about it, it's like the only way I can really keep up is to make sure that the team is doing well in aggregate. And so really what I need to be able to be good at as a CEO is to be really good at hiring great talent and to be able to be really good at aligning people on shared mission, shared purpose, and shared values. Um, so I spend a lot of my time understanding what great talent looks like, how they work, how great talent works together. And these are the things I try to be really, really good at. Uh, it's not necessarily 
product management skills anymore. It's not necessarily marketing skills anymore. It's, it's talent, it's hiring and alignment. And that's where I think I can provide the most leverage to heap based on where we're at now. And at the end of the day, I think that that means I, I talk less, I listen a lot more, I trust the people around me and I, I try to assume good intent and capabilities in all of them. I wish someone, somebody had told me this stuff when I was getting started because terms such as purpose, uh, mission, vision sounded very, you know, businessy and uh, not very tangible. But at the end of the day, like, especially your company grows, especially if they're in different parts of the world, speaking different languages from different cultures, whatever it is, like, those are the things that bring people together. And I cannot emphasize that enough. So um, glad to see that, you know. It's the key. It's it's at a certain scale that becomes the most important thing, and you have to spend all of your time doing that, which is difficult. Maybe you experience this as well, but it's difficult for me because I I love doing product stuff. I love making those decisions. I love getting into the weeds, uh, but at some point you have to step back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so to, on that point, obviously you've hired a lot of talented people, but at the same time you you have strong opinions about your product because it's your baby you build it so how do you draw that line or like do you still somehow uh, voice your opinion try to help uh, but at the same time how do you make sure that the product managers who are are, are shaping that vision and, and they feel empowered to make decisions that's a very good question and i don't know that i figured out the uh, perfect balance but I'll, I'll tell you what we try to do at heat uh, so what we try to do we're at, we're at the scale now where we're making a few different product bets at once. And, and so what I try to do is work with our leadership team and be really crisp about how our vision breaks down into concrete outcomes and areas of effort. And the more you can make that really clear and the more you can align people on your team to those specific submissions or goals, then the less you need to decide things for them. All we really need to do as leaders is just align on the high-level goals and the high-level problems Obviously, that's easier said than done. But if if we can be really good at what we're trying to do and why, and the context around it, then I shouldn't be making these deci- these uh, decisions at the individual product level. No, nor should any other anyone else at the leadership level at Heap. Um, I also think there is, if if I'm going to be a little bit pedantic here, I do think there is. Uh, I don't think necessarily product managers should decide what gets built next anyways. I, I've, I've, I've talked to a number of companies that have different perspectives on this, but I actually have a potentially controversial point of view that I think ultimately engineers should decide what to build next. Um, and they, they end up deciding what gets built next anyways. And ultimately it is the job of PMs and really leaders to be able to give engineers the right context so that they can, that, we can make sure they're building the right things that actually move the needle of the business. And that, that to me is a whole other fascinating concept, but I, I think the net of it is that we want to set good high level goals, good high level context, and then empower everybody to make decisions within that context. So on, on that, let's say you are, you talk to a lot of different customers that already have a, an analytic systems in place or they're considering to, to implement one what are some of the good practices for organizations who are thinking about being more data-driven? How can they leverage technology 
to make it happen without being swallowed by, oh my God, and now we have this, no, this big project where we have to spend all of this money and then nobody's going to use it. Yeah, that, that, that's a really good question. The um, two things that we've seen work, oh, one is actually bringing in the, for product analytics in particular, bringing in the whole customer journey. So I think in, in this day and age, you as a product manager need to think about that holistic customer experience. And a big chunk of that customer experience happens within your product itself, but not all of it. A big part of the customer experience is going to be the support interactions that they have with your support team. It's going to be the marketing materials that they receive, that, that they see when they browse through your site. It's going to be their interactions with your sales team, with your customer success team, lots of different touch points. And the, the potentially intimidating thing is that those touch points span a lot of different services and products. It can be tough to bring it all together, but tools like Heap can actually make it fairly seamless to integrate with those tools and bring it into one complete view of that customer journey. So I always encourage people to do that because that's the foundation for being able to make good use of this technology and these, these analytics. Um, and then one other thing I always recommend folks to do is to be able to start small. And I think there are a lot of people who get excited about the notion of analytics and what it can do for their business and they should get excited, uh, but you can't, just like a great product, you can't solve all of the problems immediately. You have to take it step by step. And I want to talk about integrations because uh, one of the major trends that I've seen in the product industry is that it's really hard to build a platform that solves every single problem. We, we've seen category leaders in different areas of the product management development cycle. Obviously, analytics is it's at the core of that. But at the same time, you want to bring data and capabilities from other partners. So can you elaborate a little bit more on, on what's your, your thinking around integrations and how, what are some of those good products or categories to think about when someone is thinking about you know, leveling up their product team? Yeah, so in terms of uh, the tools that uh, we use at Heap and, and tools that we recommend that other product teams use, there's the classic email and docs. That's the, the tool set for PMs since the uh, beginning of time. Uh, but now what's cool is that we're seeing more tools that empower PMs in other ways too. Um, so one uh, pretty important tool for us at Heap is Product Board for tracking our more granular feature level roadmaps. And uh, they do a really good job of making sure that you can manage every detail of your roadmap. And at, at Heap, we care a lot about making sure that the, for each of the product areas that we have, that the next 12 months is as clear and granular as, as is possible given what we know today. Uh, so we put a lot of effort into having detailed 12 month roadmaps and product board helps with that. Uh, we also do believe in the power of marrying qualitative data with quantitative data. So we obviously use Heap internally uh, for product analytics, understanding usage, feature efficacy, our CS team uses it, marketing team uses it, sales team uses it, in addition to our product team and, and engineers. But to get qualitative data, surveys, NPS, those types of things, uh, we use app queues. And, and so we have a nice integration with app queues that brings together the qualitative data and that quantitative data to really understand whether the things we're doing are working. And then in terms of, of alignment on what we're building, what our objectives are, are our context mission missions are. In addition to things like Google Docs, uh, we'll use Figma to prototype 
certain things and be able to put it in front of customers and get early feedback. And then we use for better or worse Confluence to basically manage all of our docs, all of the things that we codify. We do a lot of writing within our product org and uh, we codify customer contacts. We lay out missions for each of the product areas, talk about how we prioritize things, the objectives. And so we organize all of that within Confluence. Thank you. Well, just to wrap it up, I want to talk about the future. We actually um, created a report together at the beginning of this year called the Future of Product Management. We're trying to identify major trends and opportunities for people in the industry. Um, but I also want to dig a little bit deeper into that. W what do you think are the biggest opportunities for people working in product for the next few years? I think it's a really exciting time to be in the role and the function, actually. I think now there are so many technologies and, and methodologies and programs like product school that are just making PMs better at their job uh, everywhere. And I, what I encourage every PM I talk to to do is to be really good at truth orientation. And I'll, I'll, I'll elaborate on, on what that means. Um, PMs ultimately are, are, are the shepherd for a company's product market fit, who you serve, what their pain point is, how you solve that pain point. And product market fit is, is the most essential part of a company. Nothing else matters unless you can maintain that product for market fit and iterate on it as you scale. So PMs are shepherd for the most essential ingredient into a business's success. It is imperative that they be good at understanding that product market fit and to share that context and, and that uh, ground truth with everyone within a business. Obviously, self-servingly, that means uh, investing in product analytics solutions. But I also think it means being good at other skills that maybe weren't as, as important uh, when I was in the role 10, 10 years ago. But it's basically being good at listening to the market and listening to customers. And uh, there is so, and what I've learned and from talking to so many PMs that the, the ceiling for being good at that is really, really hot removing bias in conversations, eliminating your own ego, really when you engage with a customer, really listening to their pain points rather than just feverishly pitching your own solutions and trying to get your own ideas across the line, really listening to the customer is in itself a whole art that we could talk about for hours. Uh, we plan to publish a lot of content to help people understand how do you, how do you actually uncover the truth in, in terms of what your customers are thinking and what their pain points are. And so what I encourage for every PM is to invest in the tools and methodology for doing it now. Be really good at truth finding. And that's the thing that'll separate good PMs from great. And if you don't invest in those things, given the importance of your of product market fit and your role in shepherding that product market fit at your company, it would be irresponsible of you to not invest in being really good at truth-seeking behaviors. Yeah, and it is one of these things that you can't really delegate. I mean, yes, of course, you would have teams helping you, but somehow you need to be involved in listening to the, to the customers and, and truly going there with an open mind instead of just with a solution in your mind, just, just to kind of validate once you are asking certain questions. So, uh, it's been great. Thank you for listening to the product podcast. If you liked this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.